Welcome to Healthy, Wealthy, and Grateful with your hosts, Coach Dave, Heather, and James, where we provide you with the tools and entertainment to bring clarity, balance, focus, and butterflies to your everyday life. Hey, so welcome back to Healthy, Wealthy, and Grateful. Myself, James Johnson, Coach Dave, and Heather Andrews, the butterfly girl. I know she's tired of me telling her that. Last week, we had a special guest on. His name was Sean Gross. And, and you know, we got so far into that conversation, we ran out of time. And so we decided we're going to have Sean back again. And so, Sean, welcome back. Hey, thanks for having me back. Hey, you know, you said something last week that, that really – sparked a lot of memories for me you know growing up as a kid my, my favorite part of growing up was the boy scouts because we used to do lots of backpacking and that kind of stuff and i was raised in the pacific northwest i also was raised hunting and fishing and i haven't done a lot of the hunting part for a very long time but there's something that, that's very interesting when you do go and you're out hunting for a long period of time and it takes it generally takes two days or so to figure it out at, at least to be really consciously aware of it and that is silence yes there is, there is something that you can find in nature that you can't find anywhere else you can't find it in your house you can't find it anywhere else because there's always the, uh, the lights and the electricity and the damn cell phone and all of this kind of stuff but if you go far enough out in nature you can find something called silence. You know, there's no airplanes, there's no nothing. And it's amazing to me, I haven't felt that in a very long time, because like I said, I don't hunt anymore. But, but when you're out there and all of a sudden you hear your heartbeat or you hear a bug crawl across the ground. So I heard you say that you had, a, you had an acronym, I think it was MIND. And, and when you were out there, you said, learn how to move slowly and become to observe more all right and and i think that maybe we should talk a little bit more about that because that is exactly how you hunt by the way you have to you have to really move slow so that yeah. you can see any movement you can hear any noise any and you become tuned in where most of us are tuned into this damn thing okay right. so so I'd love, to, I'd love to hear more about that. I'm sure there's a lot more we can talk about, but why, why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. Um, we call that, a, it's a form of stalking. Um, so when I went through a lot of my wilderness survival training, we called stalking and awareness. So it first started out with taking off your shoes. You take off your shoes and you move to the cadence of one 1,000, two 1,000, three 1,000, it's a very slow walking um, cadence. And when you, we call that moving within the cadence of creation, God's creation, right? When you are running, when you are at a fast walk, you are sending this concentric circle in front of you of noise and disturbance. So if you walk below the circle of your disturbance, you actually get to see more wildlife. You actually start to, relax the mind because now I'm really kind of focused on footstep, footstep, footstep. And then I work on my breathing. So it's basically a footstep breath, footstep breath. So I'm using breath work and I'm using my steps while keeping my head up. It's kind of like I'm pulling my head up on a string 
and I'm using my peripheral vision. So if you, everybody just took their hands and went to the farthest out to each side of their eyes, and then they wiggle their fingers, they'll kind of start seeing that the fingers will, oh, okay, that's where it's at. And that's what you call your peripheral vision or your wide angle vision. Um, I ran into a sports psychologist that said, because of screens, our children's peripheral vision are shrinking, which is, it's, that is a crucial part of our brain function and development for our kids. And we need to make sure that they have that. So that's just a simple thing of walking one, 1,000, two, 1,000, breathing and slowing down my mind, just, just kind of letting myself become the trail. Now you're going to have to work at finding a place that you can do this because a lot of the trails I go to, there's dogs pooping everywhere. There's people with radios on their backpacks, uh, loud talking children running and getting lost in the woods. I've been there. We're like, Oh, Stephanie. Oh, geez. Another one of those, you know, and you help out. So, so, uh, you know, a non nature connected parent is losing their child in the woods, which, you know, it happens. Right. But, um, so try that. That's that's an instantaneous thing. I know right here in Michigan, it's wintertime. So I just have a nice, comfortable boot and I try to be as quiet as I can on the snow and ice pack trail. But I'm walking slowly and I'm breathing and I'm being very aware of where I'm putting my foot. And over time, your feet like they become they kind of have their own awareness and eyes. And you're kind of moving around those objects that are going to make you loud in the wilderness. So. That's the beginning part of, a, of this meditation that I call fox walking. You said, you said a word that I was looking for because I'm actually reading a book right now called The Ultimate Secret. I don't know if you ever read The Secret, but okay, yeah. The Ultimate Secret. And, and the key to the book is awareness, right? It's, it's all about awareness is that how to become more aware of, of what's around you. And, and I think that's probably the best thing, not the best thing, but that's, that's the thing that I think you really need to focus on when you're doing that nature walk, whatever the case may be, is becoming aware of everything, you know? What, are you about to step on an ant? Okay, I mean, that seems ridiculous, but really, if you're that aware, then you can really see what's going on in, in and around you at all times. That's true, yeah, it's, uh... I was talking to you before when I was invited to track uh, cougars uh, on the East Coast in Vermont. And as a tracker, I had to have a certain level of working awareness to put my myself out in front of me as I was tracking an animal so the animal wouldn't get me. And as indigenous people throughout history and time from North America to Australia to Africa, these, you know, bush people just have this keen sense of awareness as they move through the landscape because they know if they didn't teach their children how to move silently and actually think silently, they're not going to eat any food tonight. So everybody had to train in this way. This is one of the most pragmatic thing that was passed on from mentor to student is this pragmatism of the quiet mind and the quiet body. And that's where the mindful movement aspect of my course comes in. I think it's important to understand, and please Heather, Dave, chime in here at any time, but I think it's important to understand how this fits into healthy, wealthy, and grateful. I mean, the, the more aware you are, the more you're able to do this, the, certainly the more mentally healthy you're going to be. You know, and, and I think that from that, you're going to gain a tremendous amount of gratefulness for that which is around you. 
you know, I, I don't think we're, I don't think we're nearly as grateful as we should be for that, which we have. I mean, we're, it, it's, I use, I, I always go back to money, but, you know, I, I went to Africa and I went on uh, over to do a water thing for, for Rotary. And the astonishing thing in Africa was, was that I, I we, we went all, all these different orphanages and all this stuff. And so many of these people, they're living like on a hundred dollars a year. Okay. <laughs> And do you know what the most amazing part was about that whole trip? Everybody had a smile on their face. But you come back to here and these people are living in multi-million dollar houses, driving $100,000 cars, and, and, and they have this high society problems. It's like, you don't have any problems at all. You know where you're gonna eat, you got a cell phone, you got a place to live, you got a room over your head. You're not living in a shack with 13 people. And, and you just, not as grateful as you probably should be for that what you have right and i think what you're teaching is a way to get out there and really become grateful for nature yeah and and oh go ahead are you uh david you have a question yes so i, I was just planning to go on that further up a bit and say well like i find all of this interesting as heck and but how do i sell this to our kids because, you know, with the fast pace of little life and video games and everything else and scruple words, like our son, I mean, he plays hockey, he plays this, he plays that. I mean, he's into everything. So if he's not flying up for a ball or going, you know, Mach 1 on, on, on hates, you know, going for a walk and, you know, step, heartbeat, step, heartbeat, while I think that is cool as hell. I don't know that he will. He'll be like, oh, yeah. Dad, this is boring. So how do we get our kids to slow down to a point where we were or our parents were when, you know, way back when we were women then. So well, get that interest out of it, you know? You do it like your parents did. You know, I put you on this earth, I can take you off. So why don't you get started right now? <laughs> I say that as is. I say that as is, so... Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely shy away from uh, bully pulpit tactics. Um, but when when I talk to uh, fifth graders or I talk to even kindergartners, they are the most enthusiastic. I my kindergartners can meditate better than my fifth graders, and I, I have these these kindergartners land down. I said, "Who can be quiet for one minute? Who can do this?" And they're like, "Yeah, I can do it." Okay, let's all lay down, and. Sure enough, I have 25 kids quiet and I can hear the pin drop. So I talk about, do you want to be a nature ninja? What do nature ninjas do? They have the ability to move silently, become invisible and have the ability to come up and tap someone on the shoulder and then they won't even know that they're there. And I've been trained in that type of, of uh, evasion tactics but little boys love now to transition. We make it a game. We get a couple of their friends over and let's be the nature ninjas and who can sneak up the quietest. We set up these little crunchy courses and then they're doing it and they don't even realize they're doing it. Perfect. So yes. I talk about being a nature ninja or um, a nature Jedi. I was, I was infatuated with being an, uh, a Jedi when I was 10, when I saw that film and I was 10, I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is amazing. And then my mom and dad were like, 
Oh, yeah, the force. We know about the force. It moves through all things, all philosophies, all religions. And you can use the force for good and you can be you can do these really cool things like sneak and, you know, like become one with an animal. And I'm like, all right, I'm there. <laughs> you know, so it, it James, it's, it's kind of like the stories that you tell your kids. Why is this important? Why are we doing this? Right. Let's have some fun, too. I got to tell you a story about what you just said is, is I actually one time I was out hunting and, and I actually got close enough to a deer to reach out and touch it. All right. And so, and so I, I saw them coming through the woods and, and there was actually three or four of them and I was moving really slow and I would stop and they kept coming and they were like, they knew something was going on, but they really couldn't spot me because I just didn't move. And literally they walked right up on me. And I went, ah, and then they, they, they just, uh, but you can do that. It is you, possible to do that. People say, well, that's impossible. It's not impossible. So well, I also think it's about modeling good behavior. Um, my niece and nephew love the creek as much as I do. And when they come to the, my house, they pack their rain boots because we're going to get in the creek. Uh -huh. But that's because I get in the creek, yeah. you know, and so I think it's super important. You know, it can't be we'll just go outside and play if they've never been exposed to nature. They're not going to go by themselves. Um, oh, yeah. You know, in my case, when I grew up in the 1970s, it was a street full of children and my parents had bought all the empty lots beside us. So we would take our bikes and we would be gone. I mean, but our parents knew we were in the woods somewhere but wood somewhere was a safe place to be just like it would be at my house right now. There is no one there except me and a couple of red foxes right now. So my point being is, is that you got to model the behavior and you got to show them what's interesting. I can remember going to nature camp as a six-year-old and they played a game called tell me what you see. And so when you are standing in a forest with a bunch of brown and green things, you first don't see it until you start training your eyes. And so they would give us kind of a scavenger hunt list to look for things. And there's a lot of really great activities right now. Um, uh, uh, the National Wildlife Federation put together what they call green time. And so it's got journals and other activities you can do with your children. Um, but it's also about you getting involved and it gives the why. Um, not only is the purple vision, I'm glad you brought that up, super important because I realize as I get older, I'm losing my peripheral vision too. Uh -huh. And that's super dangerous when you're driving <laughs> yeah. um, that you don't have peripheral vision. Um, but I also think that, you know, there are, our, this generation of children has more cardiovascular disease and is more obese than any generation that has become before it and is not predicted to outlive their parents. That's a little terrifying. So I think we all need to be invested in our future, one, because of the cost, but two, because I want to see my nieces and nephews outlive me. I don't want to die, you know, them to die before me. So I've got to model the behavior I want to see. So Heather, when it comes to that peripheral vision and driving, there's a simple solution to that. Just go faster than everybody else. <laughs> I'll keep that in mind. I will tell the policeman that you told me I could do that when he pulls me over. But that James, that doesn't have anything to do with when you're on a on a walk and a cougar is stalking you. Yeah, you yeah, need that in California, my friend. Where you're at, that happens all the time. It does happen right out it, here in Whiting Ranch. We've had a few yep. people get 
bitten and eaten. So it has, has happened. And, and uh, you know, in, in my course, at, well, when I was teaching high schoolers, we would talk about fear and how to, uh, you know, fight back against a cougar or a black bear, brown bear, all the hazards, right? Like I, I alluded to earlier. Um, having them have the ability to stop and freeze. And if it's a cougar, make yourself bigger, yell at it, scream at it, do not turn around. And, you know, but most of the time, everybody's catching that, that stalking behavior on their peripheral vision and it saves their life usually at the last second where they're actually in, in their grappling. Um, but we want to make sure that our kids are aware enough and safe enough. So it's, it's actually, it's part of brain development. It's part of our eye development. And it's a part of safety, a safety measure that we're giving our children when we take those walks in nature. Because when I go out of nature, my family moves as a unit. I've taught them how, how we can stalk as a unit. So that's another thing that we do. We move as a unit and we're very quiet. We talk with our hands. We, we start that we come up with our own sign language because we don't want to pollute the environment with us talking. So that's another thing I'm thinking about, you know, learning some ASL, uh, you know, American sign language. So I can just start talking on trail. And so, yeah. I, you know, if I tell a story, the last hike I was on, I heard alarm calls from several birds and I turned to my sons and I said, there's a hawk here. And they're like, I go, let's look. And I go, it's over here. I know because the alarm calls are telling me that it's over here. It's probably slightly below the canopy. And as we were stalking up, we're being very quiet. And, you know, I go like this and I look up and there it is. There's a hawk on this branch right below canopy level. And all the, all the birds are at the top of the trees now screaming down saying, hey, there's a hawk in our environment. Everybody beware. And then my oldest son is like, dad, how do you do this stuff? It's because I've been doing it for 30 years. And yeah. I said, son, it's my, it's my hope that you will have the same skill that one day you will, you will pick up that bird call before I do and you will help keep us safe. Because if it was a big predator, if it was a, a cougar or it was a bear, those, those bird calls are going to be a lot different than just a hawk. And you have to know that in your area to be safe. So that's another layer to the onion of being a nature connected person and a nature connected family. That's really yeah. cool, Sean. That's really yeah. cool. That's very cool. Yep. That's great. Well, anybody have any other questions for Sean before we wrap this up today? Yeah, we really appreciate you being here. You want to give your Facebook page one more time yeah, so people can check you out there? On how to yeah. Get your program uh, and your Facebook page. And let's repeat the names of those books. I think those are all great tools. Oh, okay. Yeah. So uh, the Facebook page that I'm working out of is Mr. G Nature Guide. Um, so go on there, uh, like it, and then I'll be posting things about my upcoming course and challenge very soon. It'll be uh, the challenge is less screen, more green challenge where I'm challenging families to increase their, um, their weekly outdoor time and keep track of it throughout the rest of the year, starting in March. Um, some of the books, oh, on my, on my email address is smgrose13 at gmail.com. And then some of the plants that our, uh, books are talking about, edible wild plants was one thing that I studied. But I always started with this first, the venomous animals and poisonous plants. These are Peterson field guides. You need to have that safety level of hazards built into your nature walks. Then if you are on the healer routes, medicinal plants. And um, a really good book that I 
want to share with everybody is the uh, Tracking in the Art of Scene by Paul Rosendis. He's a wildlife photographer, and um, he starts to uh, unfold what inner tracking has done for him and how to go out in the woods and start to solve nature mysteries about the who, what, where, when, and why of tracking, as us trappers like to talk about the grandfathers of tracking. And those deeper questions lead to deeper uh, answers um, as we enjoy the, the wilderness. Um, but one thing I want to I wanna, um, maybe just touch on real quickly is, is Jim, um, you were talking about thankfulness. And I teach my families and my, and my students this. Whenever you come to the trailhead, you need to start relaxing your mind. And before you step into someone else's house, kind of thank them for allowing you to walk there to be there, to learn there, because those plants, those trees, those animals will now become your teacher if you allow them to. So I kind of do this, this approach prayer, you know, where I thank, you know, the birds, the trees, the animals, the flowers, the wind, the water, the air, and the earth for allowing me to be there and for allowing me to connect and for allowing me to be fully human and present in the moment and to be taught by God's green earth and mother nature. Awesome. Well, yeah. Sean, we need a lot more people like you in the world. And I'm very grateful that you came here today. And I know Heather and Dave are, and we're healthy, wealthy, and grateful. And, you know, this is, was really good stuff. And, and you're going to have to come back again in the future. I know we had you on here two weeks in a row, but we're going to have yeah. to bring you back again. And um, that. We'll see you all next week. We're healthy, wealthy, and grateful. Heather Andrews, Coach Dave, myself, James Johnson. Remember to live like you're going to die tomorrow. Plan like you're going to live forever because you just might. Hey, I'm going to give you a challenge for next week. I want you to, I want you to reach out today to someone and tell them why you're grateful for them. So reach out to someone today and tell them why you're grateful for them. We'll see you next week. Keep smiling and make it a great day. Thank you for listening to Healthy, Wealthy, and Grateful. Be sure to join our Facebook group. Remember, live like you are going to die tomorrow and plan like you are going to live forever. You just might. And don't forget to stop and smell the flowers along the way.